Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Good, and you're listening to the American Exception Podcast. In this episode, we are once again joined by our man in Belgrade, Kit Clarenberg, an investigative journalist exploring the role of intelligence services in shaping politics and perceptions. We spoke about his recent Gray Zone piece with Max Blumenthal, the first in a series on what I'm going to call Mason Gate. Even though it's a scandalous British conspiracy, I'm going to Americanize it like any good American would do reflexively and just call it Mason Gate. Uh, the first article in this series is entitled Paul Mason's Covert Intelligence Linked Plot to Destroy the Gray Zone Exposed. Um, this is by Kit Clarenberg and Max Blumenthal, and it's over at the Gray Zone. You know that I hate to speak before all the facts are in, but it looks like this is another case which demonstrates that we in the free world are sometimes manipulated by regime propaganda. So be shocked like me, I'm sure, but uh, that's the way it is. Kit Clarenberg, thanks for joining us again. Good. For people who do not follow politics in the UK, you uh, you might want to go and explain some of the characters in your recent story. Uh, we're talking about Paul Mason's covert intelligence links plot to destroy the gray zone exposed. Um, so who is this Paul Mason fellow and uh, how did you guys end up being able to write this article? I mean, so essentially... You know, Paul, Paul Mason for, yes, your US-based listeners who may well not know who he is, um, and for that, they would be forgiven. Um, in fact, I think they're probably quite lucky um, in a way. So, you know, so essentially, Paul Mason is a British kind of journalist. He's ostensibly left-wing. Um, he has, uh, you know, written books about, you know, uh, how to counter fascism and, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the perils of capitalism. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that he, he, he gained, um, uh, you know, veteran BBC Channel 4 journalist. He kind of got a bit of a following in the wake of the financial, uh, the, the financial crisis. Um, but then all, this has always been this kind of, you know, seeming radical position on, um, on economics has always been, uh, you know, um, offset or kind of has been a, a, a strange bedfellow of, of, you know, this kind of hyper interventionist streak on his part and like you know he has has seriously argued that you know support for nato is like this working class international solidarity radical position and you know how oh people losing people who work for like major defense contractors losing their jobs is like a blow against like the working class and stuff um so i and i think that i mean one thing i find quite interesting is that what after we started exposing um you know this um his uh ties to the intelligence services and his various kind of uh, dubious, undemocratic plots to take down people he doesn't like for for, for being insufficiently pro-war. Um, no one was really surprised. A lot of people had kind of long thought that he was a snake in the grass. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, and I think that he is, he kind of represents um, this, what's actually quite, you know, it's actually quite a common um, tendency amongst former Trotskyists, funnily enough, but also just more generally amongst like kind of prominent left figures. Is that like as radical as they can be? Or see, seem to be on some issues. When it comes to foreign policy, there is actually, you know, often very little difference between these people um, to, you know, the, the most hawkish neoconservative element. 
Um, and I think that it's yeah, it, it's it's an interesting litmus test with with with, um, with with public figures is that if they're making noises about you know that, that's kind of sound agreeable or kind of in line with your own thinking on key issues, like it's, it is very important to consider their their, their kind of holistic platform. Um, and yeah, like <laughs> you know, the, the the reason that they might they might hold uh, seemingly discrepant, contradictory views. If you're an American, then you're used to being disappointed by mm. politicians who, on the rare occasions they say something good, they eventually turn around and do uh, a number of things that are not good. Uh, that's kind of the default state in the U.S. is supreme disappointment in politics these days. But for Mason. He has these weird preoccupations, uh, and one of them that you, you come across in these emails, he talks about being worried about a far, or sorry, a left anti-imperialist identity, and he worries that liberalism doesn't know how to counter it. Uh, what do you think he's going on about here? Well, I mean, I think that the, you know, the, the, it, this is very representative, because I, I mean, I think, and I, and I think this cuts to the core of why there are such unrelenting attacks on anti-imperialist activists and journalists. Because yes, liberalism does not have any coherent or substantive response um, to um, anti-imperialism because you know, liberalism's uh, kind of base you know, uh, assumption, um, the conceit, as it were, is that, right, well, you know, like, you know liberalism is the, you know, the, 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 ho- the highest calling of humanity and you know, uh, it, it, you know, the West has a monopoly on on wisdom and decency and you know, and and and, and civilization, and that this is fundamentally under attack by you know um, uh, external you know regressive forces, and you know, and it's, this is coupled with this belief that it's important to you know, support overseas people who are struggling to you know, erect Western style neoliberal, um, you know, uh, democra- democracies, you know, on in their own countries. And I think that, you know, that, that this is, it, it, this, this position is complete bunk, because fundamentally, the rights and freedoms and standard of living and, you know, and, and wealth of, you know, you know, liberal democracies has always been and you know, continues to this day to be based on, you know, mass slaughter, exploitation, and, um, you know, repression abroad. And so, you know, it, it, I mean, it's there's this there's this British journalist called Ian Dunn who um, is, yeah, a, 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 a dangerous centrist figure, I would say, who was very fundamental to kind of undermining Jeremy Corbyn, or well, you know, from a you know, ostensible left wing position. He wrote this book about um, about liberalism recently, and like, you know, he managed to kind of gloss over the you know the, the large amount of liberal thinkers who were slaveholders who were advocates for empire um and you know held actually really you know appalling views on on so on, on on so much and i think this is more widely an issue with um you know mainstream liberals is that yes they have absolutely nothing to say about the fact that you know our the the the, 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 the west's kind of privileged position in so many matters is is based on you know the worst forms of of human behavior imaginable and you know the the, the uh, uh, you know, our understanding of not only of history but the world around us, if it's uh, if it's not viewed in the, the context of imperialism, is fundamentally you know incomplete, if not incorrect. And so yes, liberalism doesn't have a response to this, which is why there is this need to smear people who are you know calling out the CIA's dirty war in Syria, which you know 
ruined the lives of you know, countless people, led to the deaths of countless innocent civilians, and was just generally just, just completely morally reprehensible as, oh, well, this is apologism for Assad. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, sure, like the Assad government employed you know, repressive tactics in response to the, you know, invasion of its country by CIA funded and armed and trained uh, jihadist murderers. Um, sure. Um, but like, you know, it, it, by ignoring the root cause and viewing this in isolation, it's you know, a fundamentally misleading picture. And it's the same in Ukraine where, you know, fundamentally, like, you know, you know Russia's invasion was very, very, very clearly provoked. And it was, you know, it, it was warned, it was, uh, you know, warned against as an absolutely inevitable result of, you know, Western imperial expansionism into the former Soviet sphere. And it was, yes, it was, you know, so many prominent U.S. Um, intellectuals, uh, you know, public figures, uh, politicians, and even some, you know, some journalists were like raising the alarm about this you know, decades ago, saying, you know, this is going to provoke an adverse reaction from Russia. Um, at some point, and then it's like, well, you know, and, and you know, the, 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 that doesn't fit the, you know, emer the, the ascendant narrative that, oh, well, this is, um, you know, evil Russian imperialism, completely unprovoked, striking against Ukraine because it dared to try and be democratic and liberal, which is just, you know, complete nonsense. But yes, it's a very kind of flattering, feel-good narrative that people cling on to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's why uh, anti-imperialism is, is viewed as a threat. And, you know, it, 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 I mean, on the subject of there being, you know, no you know, liberalism, not having any response. I mean, I think that th this is why, if I was just to, you know, psychologize a bit, Mason's, you know, motives, is that essentially that the, you know, it's so it's it's so clear from the emails that at so many different points, it, you know, he he say he'll like share a, an article by Mint Press, which is criticizing Kiev Post for receiving, you know, Western funding and effectively serving as a a propaganda. Um, uh, a propaganda outlet uh, and like you know his his response is well you know what can we do about this you know and it's just like it, 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 they're, they're, they're not to 60 go to your know, not to 100 go to is not oh well you know let's write a rebuttal let's try and engage with them substantively and constructively or you know show how they are wrong it's let's get the intelligence services involved to ruin these people careers cripple them, cripple them financially and get them censored from social media and it's just like, you know, it, and they even they even discuss like it, Mason discusses with this fellow Emil Khan, who we'll get into later, the, you know, uh, the, the, the pros and cons of trying to rebut what, um, uh, you know, what the, the outlets like the Grey Zone publish. And then it's decided that this is actually just a waste of time because it would, you know, legitimize our views and whatnot. So actually, it's, it's best not to you know, actually engage in, in debate. Or, uh, or discussion. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it is writ large, very clearly that they have zero response, serious response to us. So they need to engage in the most kind of underhand, like, you know, just egregious tactics possible in order to silence us. It does seem that their admission that liberalism has no response is, uh, it reveals who, what they really believe and what they really are. They don't the tenets of liberalism are like, you know, open discussion and free speech mm. will, along with, along with free trade will like, you know, be the best of all, of all worlds and, you know, democratic institutions and so on. But they are also, they ultimately just want to manage things in a top down fashion. That's actually a, a very right wing, illiberal 
worldview that they have. I mean, the, the phoniness of these guys is is amazing. I think that's why the story has been ignored because it's so mm-hmm. damning to the the, the propaganda uh, machine, more or less. I mean, it's just not just the propaganda machine, but the political system. That's the, both of them together because he kind of straddles both worlds. He was running for office, right? And then he dropped out after this article? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the, you know, I, I think that the, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've heard word on the street is that he was specifically, that his candidacy was specifically um, uh, cancelled by the um, uh, the constituency that he, that he was trying to run in on the basis of our reporting, which is quite amusing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that this is this is something I'll get into in subsequent investigations. But it very much seems that his the, the, the uh, Mason is in touch with this individual called Andy Price, who is a high-ranking British intelligence official, um, and is coordinating his activities with him. And it very much seems that Mason was uh, yes trying to enter the Parliament in order to uh, carry out various kind of schemes that were concocted by Price, which is you know. Uh, yeah, uh, people, yeah, government, yeah, government workers and and people within the kind of civil service, as they call it, uh, are prohibited from engaging in parts of political activity. So that's pretty damning. I mean, and I think that yeah, just but just more generally is that yeah, they have very, very, very little to say um, uh, on on so many matters of, of of such importance. And I think it just it just it just kind of cuts the course that like yeah, that their, their reflexive response is just censorship, right? So they just like they just they, they it, 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 and it goes that it just boils down to the fact that right well you know it, the, the, there is only like you know one truth or there is a you know a very there is one kind of acceptable and very narrow range of opinions and anyone who deviates from it is either a witting or unwitting um, purveyor or conduit or you know victim of. You know, foreign disinformation, which is just you know, he- you know extremely you know, McCarthyite position, and it's like it, it, it you know it it is actually very disturbing, and so you know it, 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 the the um I think that the it, you know Mason popped up on this BBC this BBC radio program, which it very much appears that this was produced as a direct result of Mason's kind of you know connivance behind the scenes with various um you know journalists and academics. Uh, which was effectively a 30-minute hatchet job on two academics who have raised questions about, you know, the establishment narrative on Ukraine. And one of them is this chap called Justin Schlossberg, who is, you know, he is a long-time critic of Russia, Russian, you know, um, quote-unquote Russian aggression, and very, very critical of RT and Sputnik in ways that I thought were, you know, not actually particularly fair. And so, you know, it's, I think that, but yeah, the, the, he was um, he he was featured, and they you know shockingly misrepresented his views. They you know distorted the, their interview, the interview they conducted with him. They omitted you know you know material facts in order to fit this narrative. And then after he was you know after he, the, the his his segment on the program concluded, Paul Mason popped up to say, "Oh well, this guy's quite clearly a Putin apologist, and you know he's a Kremlin useful idiot." Without any rebuttal from Justin. And then, you know, Schlossberg made the point that like, right, well, you know, if we if we view everything in information warfare terms, of course, anyone or anything critical of 
established narratives is going to play into the Kremlin's agenda, just just as it does in reverse. Like you know, the, so what I mean, the, the and then if, what, what you what you when you boil down the patient's you know, quote unquote argument to its bare essentials, it's literally just saying that yes, any and all deviation from the established line in any in any matters cannot be tolerated and is thus you know legitimate for censorship. And it's like you know, it it, uh, it it is it is terribly frightening. I don't think these people are actually, you know, really fleshing out their their own arguments in their mind and thinking about right. Well, actually, isn't this quite sinister that I'm effectively like you know maligning anyone or indeed any viewpoint or any evidence I don't like and think you know and effectively calling for for it to be banned or you know the, 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 the to be you know, ostracized, discredited, etc. It's really, it's really astounding when you consider that the halo uh, that the U.S. and the U.K. have for themselves is all about these, is all about you know liberalism, and yet this is how they act behind the scenes. And your article uh, also brings up someone who we talked about the last time that you were on here, and that's Emil Khan. Yeah. Um, so how how does he? into uh this paul mason story and what are these two what are these two good friends uh what do they get up to together i mean amal khan is effectively he was a long time uh you know kind of psychological operations specialist for the british government and he was deployed in numerous um countries uh, his key involvement was during the syrian um conflict and he his role there was to um, effectively, tr- uh, he provided you know, propaganda support for the armed opposition, um, and it was you know the, the, it, the allegedly moderate armed opposition. But you know the groups that Britain was secretly supporting were anything but moderate. And then you know the purpose of this was to ensure that they and indeed opposition activists could communicate effectively with the media. Uh, he also managed several kind of communications campaigns in which you know. Um, "Quote unquote," citizen journalists were trained and given, you know, British equipment by effectively by the British Foreign Office to produce anti, you know, anti anti Assad, pro regime change propaganda, and yeah, the, 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 the and, and then this you know, this material was then fed to often again British and American funded, um, you know, uh, uh, you know NGOs, think tanks, me, you know, media outlets. Um, in um, yes, and so yeah, the, the, yeah. The purpose was to effectively sell um, the the West's brutal, dirty war on Syria to, um, the, to you know to, to to the public and you know ready you know prepare them for um, uh, re, you know an outright regime change, which never came, of course. But effectively, yeah. So it's not clear how Khan and Mason became acquainted, but I think that you know I've written two extensive investigations into Emil Khan and his kind of very, very, very dubious activities. And he um, and uh, and how I mean in particular how he managed to complete he, he seems to have infiltrated and corrupted Amnesty International on Syria which is just I, I mean it's, it's it's really quite disturbing but anyway so effectively he obviously has a a vendetta against the grey zone um, and you know it's clear from Mason's leaked emails that he that he you know loathes Aaron Maté and um, and Max Grimshaw um, I'm sure he loathes me now too. Um, the feeling is very much mutual, Paul. If you're listening, but, but anyway, the, the um, essentially they, they in um, uh, April, they, 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 the kind of the end of April, early May, they started discussing ways to kind of take down the grey zone, um, and like Khan proposed a kind of a, a John Oliver style stunt to make to make the grey zone look like a laughing stock, 
or pursue full nuclear legal to squeeze them financially. Now, I think that the that what's what's really interesting as well is that the I mean, and we'll, we'll, you know, the, 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 there's a lot to say on this, but I think that because Khan has this history of being, you know, a kind of rat fucker, being, you know, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, embroiled in this wilderness of mirrors where you know you are effectively training and you know and uh, or, you know, quote unquote, independent civil society voices and outlets and giving them a script to read from. And they appear in the the media as yes, independent. When in reality, they're being funded, trained, and 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 managed in secret by the British state. I think that he views, you know, all um, opposition kind of you know and you know uh, anti-imperialist, anti-war um, media and journalists and activists as themselves having you know being trained and directed. Um, that essentially that they you know Mason seems convinced of this as well. And so from it's based on their exchange. They're utterly, you know, they are utterly certain that the grey zone is being provided with, you know, uh, you know, hacked material, human intelligence by by the by the Russians and the Chinese, which is just completely insane. And there's a, um, uh, a, a, a you know, there's a there's a report that I have that um, Emil Khan pr- produced on um, social media activity around Ethiop- the Ethiopian civil war, which in which I feature quite prominently, and that he makes all sorts of very bizarre, completely unsupported, you know, conspiratorial, paranoiac accusations about how I worked for Russian espionage and how, um, you know, I, I, I was part of a coordinated information operation to publicize um, Western meddling in, in Ethiopia, which is just, it's just, I mean, you know, I was a journalist reporting on a current event, like, you know, th- that is the end, the, the be all and end all of it. And, you know, I took an interest in it for a variety of professional and personal reasons that had nothing to do with me being you know directed by anyone or anything um and like yeah so they, they you know they seem utterly convinced that they would be able to um unearth kind of damaging material on the gray zone if they got up the intelligence services to uh, investigate us and so khan suggested that um khan suggested that they approach Ofcom, which is Britain's, you know, communications regulator, or the, um, the a government department dealing with kind of digital and media issues, uh, in order to lodge a formal complaint. And so, yeah, they thought that this would this would lead to an official investigation into Grey Zones funding activities, and the government would then get involved, and we would be exposed as the kind of evil, calculating Russian slash Chinese agents that we were. I mean, on top of the fact that this just isn't true. Um, the grey zone receives zero funding from the, or direction from uh, from Russia or China in, in any way. Um, but also just the, 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 like just how stupid these people are. Ofcom is a. I'm not sure if there is any. I'm um, probably not like any uh, uh, equivalent in the US. But this is a gov- This is a kind of government regulator that oversees the output of you know streaming services and broadcast media like TV and radio. It can't sanction or investigate or ban. US-based websites, or indeed any website. And it's just, you know, the, the, the fact that you know, Khan worked for the BBC and Reuters for many years, and, you know, the, the, the Mason has allegedly been a journalist for, 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 two, for over two decades. How did they not know? Like, it's just, it's just barking, really. And they, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to effectively put together this kind of Victims of Grey Zone Memorial Foundation, where they approached numerous people who'd been kind of you know, exposed by us, or you know, we'd reported on critically, including Chloe Hajimatheo, who fronted the uh, the BBC's much acclaimed May Day series on the life and times of James Lemessurier, which was BBC subsequently had to admit, you know, was made a series of 
you know, absolutely glaring errors and, and you know, smeared um, a uh, you know, falsely, you know, basically libeled a um, by implication a an OPCW whistleblower, suggesting that he come forward in order to get, in order to make you know, enrich himself personally and you know, you know a, 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 um, a claim this reward offered by WikiLeaks, which is just you know really, really, really you know bargain basement, you know, a, a kind of uh, you know smears and stuff. And so yeah the, essentially the, the, and they they contacted emma bryant who will get into subsequently is this academic who she's um she she claims to be an expert in disinformation and, and whatnot she very much presents as this kind of left-wing radical anti-government um figure who's you know concerned about protecting the public from state um state propaganda and manipulation um, you know, equally, it very much appears that she too is coordinating her activities with Anthony Price. So, and she has a history. She previously used to sit on the editorial board of uh, NATO Strategic Communications Journal, which, you know, published articles on on you know, the late the latest trends in in manipulation and, and propaganda. So, yeah, I mean, she's uh, she's very questionable, and I think that yeah, her her response from the from the start of this has been very aggressive, uh, very nasty, uh, very hostile. She tried to hit up me and personally and Grey Zone with cease and desist orders, which made the false a- a- accusation that I'd hacked this material myself and, you know, was, you know, part of some kind of Russian state operation against her, which, you know, I'm not. Although, you know, I would say that, wouldn't I? Well, they seem to be relying on this Russian angle with Gray Zone, but there's not any. There's no evidence that of Russian uh, Russians being behind the Gray Zone, and there's no evidence of your of the leaks to you that they can uh, point to as being. I mean, have they? Are they trying to even make an argument that there's any evidence to support that? Or are they just saying like this is Russian? Well, I mean, I think that, the, that basically that I mean it's a very effective way of trying to discredit the story. And like you know, Peter Jukes, who is I'm not sure if again listeners are familiar with him. If they're not, that then I would consider them extremely fortunate. He's the he's this kind of former playwright and screenwriter who got involved in journalism um, because of the phone hacking scandal in the UK that was about a decade ago. And he has been so aggressive in attacking me and attacking the grey zone and suggest going to the extent of suggesting that anyone sharing it was a witting conspirator in a Russian information operation. And, you know, it, it, you know, all sorts of insane stuff. I mean, he's yeah, he's a pretty unhinged individual who has previously threatened me down the phone with physical violence. And, um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's bonkers. Um, but the, the, the yeah, the, essentially, um, he uh, yeah, the, like, I think it's just a very good way of of discrediting us and discrediting our, you know our output because you know it's there's the specter of the Russians and blah 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 blah. I mean, I don't think that the you know the provenance of the emails is particularly it's you know the, I mean the, the authenticity of the emails has been confirmed by you know um, cybersecurity researchers like they're very real. But I think that you know that the it's what's really interesting. Is that you know the, the 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 when we know for a fact because it, this has been re, you know admitted by you know officials and the mainstream media that the CIA and, and, and NSA and GCHQ are in, you know engaged in hostile you know in, in hostile hacking uh, hacking attacks on you know quote unquote enemy states like Russia and China and Iran all the time and when when you know that the material mysteriously ends up in the hands of you know distributed denial of secrets which is run by. Um, uh, someone who used to work in count, uh, Emma Best, who used to work in counterintelligence, 
um, it, you know, is, uh, it, 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 you know, the, the, that gets widely published, even if it's quite clear that there are signs that this material has been tampered with. So, for instance, you know, the Ugor files is a, you know, there was there some you know, independent researchers and eagle-eyed Twitter users pointed out that a lot of the material seems to have been edited and that, you know, that the, the fonts were, were wrong in, in, in particular, kind of particularly damning um, internal documents. And, like, you know, that, that never really, you know, ever gets questioned by the mainstream media. I mean, like, you know, the Panama Papers, no one knows the, you know, the identity of the leaker. I'm fairly sure it was the CIA. You know, I'm fairly sure they were behind the Pandora Papers as well. You know, and it's, it, 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 but again, like you know, that no one, no one says, oh well, we shouldn't publish this because we we would be furthering an information operation. And and likewise, you know, if you think about the Hunter Biden story, it's just you know that 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 when that story first surfaced, which is just prior to the you know the 2020 election, you know, it, it was you know, all of these intelligence officials came forward and said this is Russian disinformation, and you know, social media. That effectively banned people from sharing new, the New York Post reporting on it. Uh, you know, the, none of the none of the mainstream media went near it. And then it's only now that it's been acknowledged that okay, well, this is completely real. And it was a you know, very, very, very effective way of pouring extremely cold water on the story, which is again what these very dishonest, desperate people are doing. I mean, you know, if I was in the their position, and I'd been, you know, colluding in, in order uh, you know, with. Um, uh, with shadowy actors in order to um, uh, in order to uh, you know deplatform financially cripple and you know and uh, you know discredit people I don't like uh, you know I, I would want that covered up too um, and so you know and I think but I think that equally they've they've kind of they've painted themselves into a corner by doing this because you know when the, the more that comes out the more difficult it is for them to you know dismiss this and they are being you know people like emma bryant are being asked by her co you know her academic colleagues like okay you need to give us an explanation now for why you were suggesting that when you know, mason produced this insane map which was much ridiculed of alleged russian influence in the uk which included you know the black community and uh, you know mint press and jeremy corbyn and all other, and stop the war coalition all this other just this is complete insanity and like you know she said it didn't go far enough and suggested that you know declassified uk which is a an independent media outlet that was set up by the uh, the journalist uh matt canard and um uh the historian mark curtis like you know that they are you know she said that you know, they're part of this you know they should be on the map and whatnot and it's like you know that, that you know you could argue she could she could maybe argue that like oh i didn't know that this was about this would lead to censorship but i mean it just it, it just seems very clear that she of course you know like why else would you want this information like you know i mean what you know in the, the you know, other emails he, he was talking mason was talking to her about how he wanted to build a tool to track down anyone and any everyone and anyone who had raised questions about the official narrative around buka and she was willing to oblige and put him in touch with somebody who could do this why like you know, it, 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 what you know, what, 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 to what purpose? Like you know, would you would you would you want to do that unless you want to go after these people in some way, or they're going to end up on the list, um, which you know seems to have happened. This is just completely uh, totalitarian in its yeah. implications, uh, yet with this weird uh, pretense that uh, the people running things are, you know, liberal uh, liberals who like democracy. 
it's uh it's the the chart itself is pretty amazing it's it, it's like mark lombardi used that general method in kind of a in a useful way to illuminate things but this is just and the other funny thing about it is that these are the same people by and large who will always be out there saying conspiracy theorists this conspiracy theorists that but yeah. they they themselves are the uh, they they fa- they they fabricate conspiracies and then make crazy charts about them so how, how do you think the ukraine war has it has increased the 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 mania of these people of late because it seems that it's getting worse. Yeah, I mean, I think I just I just think that the yeah the, the, you know I, I knew that the war in Ukraine was going to be a kind of a flashpoint for censorship, cracking down on alternative viewpoints, and it's just like, but I think that it just the, the you know the fact that the official narrative on on Ukraine and the you know the the media narrative on Ukraine has been has shifted so much. And, you know, it's, it, 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 the, I mean, I think it's a testament to the fact that, like, you know, you're never actually ever going to be consistently be on the right side of history from the perspective of power, because their needs and interests change in a flash. Like, it's like a shoal of fish, you know, when they move, they move direction all as one as if they're being kind of magically or, uh, coordinated when they're just, they're doing it independently. Like, they, you know, it, it it, the, 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 so, I mean, if you think about for the first kind of month, if not, you know, two months of, of the of the Ukraine war, we in the West, we were given um, not least due to, you know, the banning of, you know, outlets like RT and Sputnik and, uh, uh, and you know, formal and informal social media and search engine crackdowns on independent media. We in the West were given this unrelenting daily picture of, you know, Ukrainian heroism and success and Russian failure and embarrassment. And, you know, the, quite clearly, the purpose of this was to, you know, um, engender public support for flooding Ukraine with, with you know, unaccountably vast amounts of weapons. Because, hey, they can win. They're going to pull off this David versus Goliath, you know, su- success um, and, you know, beat the Russians. And like, you know, and it's just this was always nonsense. And it kind of it got to the point, I think it was the turning point was kind of early May. When slowly but surely the media started kind of acknowledging that oh actually this has been like a real disaster for Ukraine and like you know they, their entire in, you know industry is destroyed their economy is destroyed they've lost you know a quarter of a quarter of their country um, you know Russia is you killing hundreds of Ukrainian soldiers each and every day is you know seizing territory each and every day and yeah that like. You know, it, it, it was only the other day Biden kind of said like, oh, well, actually, you know, um, the Ukrainians are probably going to have to, you know, to end this. The Ukrainians are going to have to hand over a vast, you know, swath of territory. Yeah, I myself, you know, I mean, I'm without taking you know, any kind of you know, position on on the war in Ukraine. I always thought that it was madness to send so many weapons to a country which is already Europe's like kind of black market, you know, um, arms sale center. And, you know, and, you know, and yes, that it was just completely inconceivable that this was going to be anything other than a routing due to Russia's enormously, you know, large, larger, better equipped, better equipped military. And, you know, it, 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 and, you know, slowly but surely, yeah, like officials are now saying, um, well, yeah, that like, you know, we're kind of concerned about like the fact that all of these weapons reach reach Ukraine between 20 to 50 percent of them are sold on immediately on the black market. You know, you can go on the dark web and find you know, rocket launchers and 
plate for sale, like, you know, and it's just uh, you know, there have been reports that, that some of this, some of the, the arms have even been sold to the Russians, which is just completely crazy. And so I just think that, yeah, and you know, at the time when I was making this argument, I was considered a Putin apologist and, you know, oh, I'm like a Russian agent, and like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, now this is kind of, you know, the emergent mainstream position is that, oh, actually, this was a bad idea. And I think that it's, you know, it, 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 it cuts to the core again of like why censorship is so dangerous and why, you know, it, it, you know, the, 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 these people like Mason are so deplorable for going along with this because quite clearly the, the, the strategy is, you know, the, the state doesn't want to appear to be engaged in direct censorship. So they outsource it. So they, you know, it's like they're getting journalists and academics and think tankers and, you know, people like Emil Khan. To, I mean, yeah, like, you know, Emil Khan, a very good example, like, you know, to, to, to pose as you know, these independent, concerned, you know, grassroots activists and researchers who are, you know, t- taking a stand against false information and lobbying the government to do something about it, when in reality, they're being funded by the government to do it. And so, like, I mean, I mentioned about Emil Khan and his insane report on Ethiopia. Um, I, some of the other kind of leaked documents in my possession indicate, and this has never been publicly acknowledged, that his company, Valent Projects, gets millions of dollars from USAID, which is, you know, an avowed, you know, uh, CIA front, you know, which effectively serves to further America's um, you know, national security interests and, you know, works hand in hand with the, the DEA, the, you know, the, the FBI um, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the CIA and the, and the Pentagon. Uh, and uh, the, it, 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 the funding was provided for Valent to identify, you know, um, coordinated activity, inauthentic behaviour and disinformation on social media related to Sudan, where, of course, there's, you know, been a kind of series of kind of coups and counter coups. And it's just a, you know, unstable mess. And so this is, yeah, this has never been advertised. But then if you go on Facebook's website, or indeed you can find it in the media reports, Valent um, approached Facebook and indeed Twitter, it seems, with their research into you know, uh, oh, we've you know cut, found this network of hundreds of um, you know troll and bot accounts, uh, and then these people get deplatformed, permanently, permanently banned. And you know, if these people are being flagged as bots and trolls on the same kind of lousy, bizarre, if not lunatic bases that he was branding people like me and Rania Karlek, uh, you know, um, disinformation a- 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 agents um, engaged in coordinated activity, then it means that a lot of kind of genuine civil society voices and activists and journalists who were, you know, um, uh, expressing their legitimate opinion, which they'd reached themselves, um, you know, online, got cancelled. Like, and, and, you know, the, the, now that he's in contact with Mason, uh, you know, the, the Khan actually said something very sinister and, and indeed false, when in the wake of our first article, Khan said, that um, publicly, that oh, the only people sharing the Grey Zone article are Putin apologists and 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 fake accounts. Now, this article got an enormous amount of of interest in the world. Over, you know, I got my, I've gotten thousands of new followers since we published it. You know, we have it, it, it's travelled far and wide. It's been covered by you know journalists like Owen Jones and Navara Media, which is this UK kind of left, kind of centre-left um, independent outlet. Like, you know, it, it was very real people who were sharing this, were interested in it. Like, you know, it, 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 and, and so if if it's, if it's he, you know, he claimed, can't claim that his study of who was sharing this, art, this, uh, this article would inform 
uh, would inform, uh, you know, researchers and indeed social networks themselves about the, you know, how, you know, um, troll and bot networks work online. And it's just like, you know, that's, there's an enormous number of people, like tens of thousands of people who've shared this, who've read it, who've talked about it, who, you know, face potential banning because some idiot with like zero credibility uh, or, you know, professional qualifications falsely claim that they were a bot or a troll. And it's just like, it just, it just, it's, 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 it's staggering. And it makes me really angry. And it's like, I've spoken to some, some Ethiopian uh, activists and journalists who had their accounts shut down. And, you know, they are utterly convinced that Khan was behind this. And, you know, they are, they are absolutely livid. And I think, I think that we should all be, because again, it's, you know, when the devil turns around on you, you know, it, it, there, is, there have been numerous instances you know, recently of independent journalists or outlets like Mint Press, for which I'm a regular contributor now, like have had their, or Consortium News, um, have have had their, you know, PayPal account shut down, the money in, it, in, in, the, in their accounts, you know, withheld from them. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's, this has implications for us all. And it's, you're getting, you know, I mean, likewise, you know, the banning on, 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 uh, established social media platforms is completely out of control. And you know, I've had friends who have new, you know, tens of thousands of followers um, on, you know, on Facebook, or sorry, on, on Twitter or YouTube. You know, they've had their accounts closed or sanctioned, or they've, you know, demonetized or whatever for like literally no good reason. And it's, you know, and you know, this is this is start of it. This is the tip of the iceberg. It's going to get so much worse. Yeah, it is. I think that this is uh, something that people have got to be aware of. And it, I, I was not happy when I heard Alex Jones was getting kicked off of social media for exactly those reasons. It occurred to me at the time that you're cheering this, but there's actual principles that you should have. And this is perhaps what's most annoying about this, um, or not most, because the, so the, the main issue itself is pretty terrible. But the fact that it's the people pushing this are liberals and they're the ones who are saying, let's have censorship and so on. And having it be corporations does not do anything to make to mitigate how terrible it is. It's I mean, what is fascism is basically the merger of capitalist corporate power and the state. And uh, so we've having corporations do it does not mean that it's somehow not the regime that's doing it. it this is. This has got to be obvious to people. And uh, this is what happens when people don't have principles. I, I mean, this people should have been out there fighting for Alex Jones, uh, as ridiculous as he is. You know, and a lot of people like me wonder if Alex Jones himself is some kind of operative mm. because he is so over the top that he um, makes it, he stigmatizes people who think uh, that in terms of state criminality, uh, but but regardless, he shouldn't be he, you shouldn't censor people like that on principle. And yet that seems to have been abandoned now. Um, are, are, do you think that there's any there's any pushback against this? It's going to come or what will it take to reverse this? I mean, I just I mean, I do think that I mean, number one. Yeah, that like, you know, that reflexive response of, OK, right. Well, you know, t t these are private companies and, you know, they can they can you know ban whoever they ban whoever they like. You know, it's up to them. I mean, I think that that is, you know, that is just a, it's a false it's a false proposition because, you know, we know that the, the I mean, Jen Psaki, who's now, you know, now become a journalist, <laughs> quote unquote, um, uh, you know, the white former Biden's former White House spokesperson. You know, she very openly stated that the Biden administration was directly 
you know, organizing, uh, was directly uh, in touch with major social media platforms to get certain accounts removed and they remain, you know, in constant contact. You know, there was that report uh, a while back of how the Biden administration specifically had a group Zoom chat with, you know, influential TikTokers and stuff, uh, you know, to, to so they got their messaging, quote unquote, right on Ukraine. And it's just like, you know, it, 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 they are not private platforms. They are, you know, overwhelmingly and indeed increasingly staffed by people who have government backgrounds, you know, who, who often who've worked in the military, security and, and intelligence services. Um, you know, they have they have extensive track records of following the establishment line. Like, you know, very clear example of this was like, you know, when when Juan Guaido was, you know, who hilariously got keeps on getting beaten up in Venezuela um, by the, you know, uh, by by members of the public. It's glorious. But like, yeah, the, the, you know, the kind of, when he was when he was designated the president of um, of Venezuela for literally no good reason at a time when most Venezuelans hadn't even heard of him in 2019, he, you know, they Twitter immediately removed the blue ticks of of Maduro and all of his cabinet, banned some of their accounts, and gave him a blue tick, um, verifying that he was the president of Venezuela. Like, you know, they 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 operate hand in hand with the state, and they do whatever they're told. And particularly, like, I mean, this is again language that crops up in Valent Project reports. Is that like the, he says, oh well, you know, the fact that Kit Clarenberg was quite clearly involved in this coordinated activity and, you know, has not faced sanction and continues to have encounters to show that Twitter is not enforcing its policy and they're not doing enough to fight disinformation. And like, you know, this has been a great way of twisting Facebook's arm, you know, a great way of twisting Twitter's arm in the past. Like, You're not doing enough. I mean, in some cases, like data protection, it's it's a good cudgel. In others, where it's like you're not doing enough to crack down on, on independent media, like it's, uh, it, you know, it, it has absolutely ravaging effects. And I think that, yeah, that I think that, you know, we we need to migrate off these platforms en masse. Like, we need to put aside political differences and um, just just get off them because they are elite protection rackets and, you know, they have ways of getting rid of you. And it's like, it's funny, like, I had an account, I used to have a, a, a Twitter account that had about, about 10,000 followers and that got, that got, I got locked out of it and then it was subsequently deleted without my, uh, without my knowledge or consent, many months later, and uh, yeah, I, I mean that, that was um, in 2020, and like I, it's it, it, you know the, 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 like now now that I'm back on it, I um, it, it, you know I have had things like you know people co- somehow can't come across me, people have been unfollowed from me, people like retweets and likes of my work get undone. One thing that I find, which I've actually spoken to a number of people who have the same thing, including Steve Sweeney, who's this great anti-imperialist journalist and morning star in the uk and he uh yeah so often when a big an account with a large following shares one of my pieces and it gets a lot of pickup what will happen is that when people click on my profile they're told it doesn't exist and it's like this has happened so many times people are just like oh oh, yeah this says you know account deleted you know whatever this user doesn't exist and it's just like you know that this is like little old me you know, I mean, like, because I guess, you know, the content I post is, you know, pretty consistently disputatious and includes, you know, screen grabs of leaks and leaked documents and everything. So it's like, yeah, I mean, they, they, they kind of, they haven't yet, like, outright banned me. But I know a lot of other people who who have had their accounts, you know, without warning or explanation, um, you know, shit canned. A lot of the time, these were people who were opposing, you know, critical or ascendant narratives about the war. Um, you know, Scott Ritter, the former UN weapons inspector, who, you know, as far back as mid-March, 
you know, called out what was happening, which is that, yes, that Russia was trying, was effectively bogging down forces in the West in order to encircle forces in the East. And you know, that's what's happened now. Like, you know, he was branded, you know, Putin apologist, Kremlin asset and propagandist and then got fired. I sorry, got got his account got um yeah, shut down without without warning or, or recourse. And you know, this is going to keep happening. Um, you know, and again, but it's it's just, it's funny as well that like, you know, as I say, like, you know, what what he was saying is now the kind of majority position of military analysts. It, you know, including you know, like people attached to you know elite think tanks, which you know all of about a month ago were calling for Ukraine to re- seize Crimea again, and it's just like it, you know this is this is why that you know they talk about it, 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 it's why also more generally that like you know centrism is just this dead um, you know dead proposition on arrival because like you know the, the center ground constantly shifts. So your your you know your task as someone you know as uh, you know someone on the left is to try and push as hard as you can for uh, you know to push to sorry push as hard as you can to move that centre spectrum to the left. But then like you know the the attitude in 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 amongst yeah like you know people like AOC seems to be oh right well let's not rock the boat too much and like blah 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 blah. It's, I mean I mean if they are, were originally possessed of a kind of radical perspectives and policies they claim to originally be which i i, I sincerely doubt actually but you know for a variety of reasons but yeah i mean you know it, it, it's just it's just completely ludicrous to say like oh if you're deviating from the established line then this is problematic because at some point even the people pushing the establishment line will end up deviating from it themselves they couldn't deny reality forever but i i have not re- i can't recall the the media having to and the establishment in general having to suffer such a humiliation uh, and an embarrassment as they are with Ukraine, uh, I, I think. And that's even with their ability to still not have key events accepted into the, the mainstream discussion. I mean, if you were to actually have a, a remotely honest conversation about how we got to this point, you have to acknowledge what the U.S. did in 2014 and, yeah. uh, you know, which was illegally violate, negate the sovereignty of Ukraine by installing a government. And then they wrecked this bailout deal. And I mean, you would have to be very foolish not to recognize that the U- that Ukraine would be immensely better off today mm. if that had not happened, if the U.S. had not intervened there and et cetera. It's just even if there was some magical future of a European integrated Ukraine that they might have had the idea of and being with being more economically connected to Russia would be unsatisfying for some people. It would be nothing like the misery that that there has been brought on them that people warned about at the time. And so this is just uh, it's really it's really something to see the way the narrative is going to have to be managed and uh, and the propaganda effort is going to there's going to be a, pro, a cover up a propaganda effort just to cover up the, the propaganda effort in the first place. It's it's really a, it's something. And uh, but they have a lot of people on their side. And some your story also brings up a couple of, uh, let's say, one institution and another person that we've had to deal with recently, uh, Bellingcat and then oh. Nina Jankowitz. First of all, like with, with Bellingcat, how does uh how does how do Paul Mason and Khan talk about Bellingcat? Well, I mean, you know, this is it, 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 I, I, again. I mean, I, 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 I'm your readers may well be familiar with Bellingcat. I mean, they've all 
always struck me as you know a, an asset of the intelligence services. They have enormous amount of of people who have intelligence and military backgrounds connected to them. They receive vast amounts of money from the NED, with the National Endowment for Democracy, which is an avowed CIA front. And it's, they get most of their funding, actually, from the, it's the biggest single donor is the NED. It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars um, every year. And, they, you know, they effectively, you know, they, they, they you know, it's, 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 it, it, again, it's funny that people don't question this more because it's just, it's like you know, they are funded by the by Western governments, you know, directly and indirectly. And they, in turn, produce consistently produce findings with like, you know, the odd exception here and there, which is entirely in keeping with what their funders want. So, I mean, does that not strike you as somehow suspicious? Um, you know, it, 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 it's like paying a private. It's, yeah, again, it's like it's like it, 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 it's kind of like outsourcing to civil society, you know, functions that would typically be, you know, um, conducted by the, the intelligence services. Anyway, so, the, you know, Mason and Khan discussed trying to get Bellingcat aboard their anti-Grey Zone coalition. Uh, the Mason <laughs> consistently refers to Bellingcat as being in receipt of a steady flow of Western intelligence. And, you know, Khan, who is on, you know, has been a longtime advocate and associate of people involved in Bellingcat, including Nick Waters, who's an ex-British army. Um, they, you know, he doesn't challenge this once. Um, I think that Bellingcat was extremely unhappy in, in the wake of this because this just confirms what their critics have alleged all along, which is that, yes, they are effectively a clearinghouse for the CIA and MI6. And, you know, that's how they get their incredible scoops that no one else seems to be able to. Um, you know, it, it, so, I mean, I think that the, I mean, the, yeah, Waters particularly threw Mason under the bus and said that he was an idiot who didn't set up two-factor two factual authentication on his, uh, on his profile now, which is very funny. And like, you know, Paul Mason alleges that, um, that Elliot Higgins gave him, uh, consulted with him about understanding how hacking attacks happen. Um, and, you know, he said, oh, actually, you know, they are 100% independent of governments and whatever, like kind of, you know, closing the stable door after, closing the stable door after the horse has bolted. But like you know, I I think that this is this is this does create problems for them because you know this is insiders who are you know in their orbit who believe that this is the case about them, and so you know their aggressive um, denials that they you know are in any way you know in any way uh, influenced by in bed with or directed by the intelligence services are you know kind of significant questions raised about <laughs> raised about those denials. Um, and yeah, I mean, just more more generally, I think that the you know Bellingcat is a yeah a very 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 interesting example of you know how I mean a due to the rise of like kind of services like WikiLeaks, but b more generally, I think that the, it, this is a very effective means of the of the intelligence services playing the media. So it's like you know due to declining budgets and you know uh, in, you know newsroom budgets and news gathering budgets. Um, you, 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 journalists at mainstream publications are often, you, you know, they don't have the time or the resources to investigate stuff themselves. And like, you know, like you know, foreign reporting has taken a huge, a huge hit um, in in the past kind of two decades. It doesn't really exist anymore, actually. Like, you know, there's there's Reuters and and um, and Associated Press that have offices abroad, and you know, they are you know heavily influenced by Western governments. And then there is. Yeah, but like, you know, that's about, you know, that's about it. And so it's like Bellingcat's great because it, you know, it kind of writes your story for you. And, you know, their 
findings, which are often extremely dubious and not, not really supported by the evidence that they cite, become, you know, headlines and stuff. And so it's like, yeah, the, the you know, I, I spoke to a, I spoke to a, um, uh, a, a, a kind of senior journalist at a, at a mainstream British publication about them a few years ago, and he said, I don't get why you, uh, why you go after them. You know, I mean, what they do is so great. It's all a hundred percent true. You know, um, if they say something's true or false, and that's good enough for me, and it's just like it's just it's completely insane. Like it just it just it's this insane proposition, and like and I and I think that they're you know more and more people are actually questioning um, uh, uh, Bellingcat now, um, and I, I mean you know with any luck you know given that the, 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 this conversation between Khan and Mason, more people will um, more people will raise questions because you know they it, it, they have. You know, I can think of about two mainstream journalists who've ever been critical of them, which is Mary Dajewski of The Independent in the UK and The Mail on Sunday's Peter Hitchens. I mean, that's about it in terms of, you know, the, the journalists of any standing in the mainstream actually challenging them. And like, you know, throughout the Ukraine war, they have made an enormous amount of false statements. Like, you know, Krista Groziev, who was this, you know, kind of Bulgarian media baron who then joined, um, who joined Bellingcat. And, you know, he made an enormous amount of money um, from the privatization of media in um, uh, in Bulgaria, like you know, I mean, in during the nineties and the early two thousands, and I think that you know, I, I know people who lived in Bulgaria at that time, um, and like you know, to, much like Russia in the nineties, if you if you were making money, you were you know, <laughs> embedded with some unsavory elements. Let's put it that way. But that the, anyway, that that like yeah. So you know, he it, Christo on the on March third, March third, I think. He was like, Russia's nearly run out of bullets. Um, you know, they have consistently made pr predictions about imminent Russian collapse, which have been completely false. Um, they peddled this false story to the Wall Street Journal that a pr proposed kind of peace um, uh, uh, kind of summit at which Roman Abramovich was present, that everyone was poisoned, which like traveled around the world and back and then was later found out to be false. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I guess that like, you know, to an extent, I think that what the Ukraine war is demonstrating is that, like, actually, number one, it's very, it is actually very easy to manipulate people about, you know, what's going on because, you know, there is a fog of war there. But then equally, I, you know, now that these lies are being, you know, the kind of lies and false narratives around the war are being exposed, after the cognitive dissonance where people are disbelieving of this new information, kind of comes a lot of people who are actually thinking, oh, well, we were lied to. And like you know, they've got you know bitterness, and they're, they're, these people who are effectively you know their 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 task is try and counter distrust in the media and counter distrust of Western governments is actually backfiring massively. And I mean, you know, I, I the, 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 there was when when the AFP pub, published this very kind of mild critical report of, of Ukraine's progress in the war, basically saying that its soldiers are underfed, tired, un, you know, ill-equipped, and you know, at, you know, facing absolute hell, and it's you know going really badly for them. Um, you know, in in you know, not such quite pointed language. There were quite a lot, quite a lot of the responses I saw online to that article were people saying like, oh, "Why are they? You know, it was a, it, why are they re retreat? Why are Ukrainians retreating? They're like beating Russia." And it's just like I think you know, once that kind of um, yes, cognitive dissonance wears off, you're like, "Oh, actually, well, maybe this has been false the whole time. What else are they lied to me about?" Um, and yeah, I mean, actually, you know, this is why, and we'll get onto a you know, next, I suspect. You know, this is why. You know, uh, the the uh, the U.S. government was moving to create an, a you know a an, you know, a disinformation governance board because 
you know, it, 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 they have an imperative mission to maintain a stranglehold on the narrative, i.e. perceived reality for people. And, and then they know that they're losing it at a rate of knots. Like the internet is a huge, poses a huge threat to, you know, you know, to that, like independent citizen journalism, independent media, like, oh, it, it, you know, that is so gravely undermining um, the output of the, uh, the main, the main street, the main, the main, the mainstream media. And indeed, yes, the, the pronouncements of public, uh, sorry, of uh, government officials. That, like, yeah, that they need to, the, 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 the crackdown, which has been ongoing, I would say, for probably the best part of about, you know, eight years at this point. I think, I mean, you could almost point to the, the Maidan coup as the kind of, the real, um, uh, when this, when this began, um, uh, you know, the, I think it's just going into hyperdrive. Right. It, it does, to me, it, it, it really points to the decline of, um, of the of the West, you know, of this Atlanticist empire, this this project, and the fact that they're now, you know, that they're now talking about creating a disinformation governance board or whatever with Nina Jankowicz, because she comes into your story as well briefly, and so this is being folded out in the U.S. But I think her her uh, her abandoning that position or resigning or however it played out uh, is a good sign. Well, uh, what was her connection to to Paul Mason and his whole network here? What was how how does she in, get involved here? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that basically that this is I, I am the as far as I'm aware. Well, I mean, no, I mean as far as I'm aware, I know for a fact that I am the only journalist that has actually written about this. <laughs> Nina Jankovic was involved in something called Open Information Partnership, which was a British Foreign Office information warfare operation that was targeting. The, uh, the former kind of communist sphere in, in Europe, you know, central and eastern and southeastern. Uh, and it was, it posed as a kind of um, uh, an independent collective of NGOs, fact checkers and media outlets that would, um, that would uh, you know, try and battle against the tide of disinformation because it posed such a threat to democracy and blah, 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 blah. But then, like, I have I have in my possession leaked documents related to, you know, um, the partnership's uh, founding, where it's very, very, very clear that this was, you know, a hostile information warfare operation targeting Russia and trying to, you know, erode Russian influence or perceived Russian in influence in, you know, um, in countries across the region, including close allies of Russia like Serbia. And it has this incredible, and I, I quote verbatim this, it just because it's imprinted in my mind, the very, very, very revealing passage in one document where they say that one of the key barriers to tackling Kremlin disinformation is that is that many Kremlin-backed narratives are factually true. Um, you know, which is so, i.e., we want inconvenient truths and you know evidence that we that we want to suppress and you know <laughs> viewpoints we don't like, you know, count cancelled. You're brutally attacked, blah 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 blah, and some of the organisations that were involved in in this and remain so to this day are like really dubious. There was this organisation called Latvian L. Um, no, sorry, it was called uh, the Proper Proper Stop, which is based in uh, Estonia, and like the Foreign Office funded appraisal of this organisation ruled that it, it it had ties to neo-fascist organisations, had published the false and defamatory material and had incited violence against Estonia's Russian minority, which is, you know, a million people who are heavily discriminated against are not, uh, not uh, have not been granted citizenship 
and you know they are classed as non-citizens, meaning they can't vote, they can't hold certain, they can't hold public office, they can't work in certain professions like the police or the military. It's completely shocking. And you know, the, the, but then you know, the, the, this organization was invited to join. Bellingcat was found by the same appraisal to uh, uh, to uh, be guilty of spreading disinformation and being discredited for producing reports for anyone willing to pay. And it's like, you know, it, 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 yeah, it served as an effective censorship mechanism. And I asked the question, my article I wrote, I wrote for Mint Press. I raised, raised the ob very obvious question of whether Open Information Partnership served as an effective blueprint for the DHS Governance Board and whether, you know, asked whether, you know, Jankovic's involvement in it was a key factor in her recruitment. And so, you know, in these emails from Price, uh, to, to Andy Price, who's running, who runs, who ran CDM, uh, the counter disinformation and media development arm of the Foreign Office, which is staffed and run by, by intelligence operatives, and seems to be running its successor, the CDU, which is the counter disinformation unit, which the government has released basically zero information on you know, people. We don't know what information it's tackling, how its staff size, its budget, it's all, this is all hidden. Um, you know, so but and in one email, Price mentioned that he'd been in touch with Nina Jankovic about consortium news and asking whether they were being funded by Russia. And Jankovic said, oh, I think they're just useful idiots. But Price disagreed and said, oh, well, actually, I think that the, you know, that the, the, they are like, you know, he, he, by, by implication, he suggests that they are being funded and directed by Russia. And he points, he says that I find the, the gap in their output from 2005 to 2011 very interesting and, you know, kind of representative of something sinister. Now, I've spoken at length with people who represent Consortium News, which is a fantastic independent media outlet that was set up by the late great, you know, investigative legend Robert Parry, which is, I think, you know, they had their PayPal shut down recently. Please donate to them. They're fantastic. You know, it, so essentially, like, it, 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 I, yeah, I spoke to them and they said, they said there was no gap in our output. What actually happened in 20, 2011 was that we moved on to WordPress. So, you know, we had to migrate a lot of our articles over. So that's why it appears that, like, you know, that there was this gap. You know, and then all of, on everything it republished, there's the original publication date. You know, you can check on Wayback Machine and see that there was no gap, that it was pumping out regular content you know, during this stated period. So it's just like, you know, again, it's just like, you know, much like Khan's bizarre pattern recognition and projection. Like, you know, you have a bunch of paranoid, con you know, conspiracy pro prone spies who see, you know, a communist or, you know, under every bed and like, you know, as some kind of sinister Chinese or Chinese, uh, Russian plot behind everything they don't like, you know, falsely accusing and concluding that these independent organizations are somehow, you know, dubious, shady, what and whatnot on literally false grounds, like literally due to their own stupidity and their own you know, woeful research skills. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, they can, they don't have to have any facts on their side really because they are uh, connected to state power, but it's, it's, uh, it's very telling that this, these are the steps that they have to resort to at this time. Um, it would, it's uh, alarming. And yet at the same time, it suggests that they are losing because um, this is, these are steps that they did not take as overtly in the past. They didn't have to. And so uh, we can take heart in that, but uh, I don't know what it portends for us going forward, uh, it's either going to get better or it's going to get worse, I guess. Um, so 
where can people follow your your work and uh, read all of the, these stories? Are they all going to be published on Gray Zone? And you said there's one at Mint Press, and there's are, are there more coming, or what's uh, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, you know, I'm a regular contributor to the Gray Zone and Mint Press. I think that like the bulk of the, the stories will be coming out via Gray Zone, um, but like you know, we are engaged with other media outlets at, at the moment. You know, as it happens, um, you know, we we are keen to get this out there. I mean, credit to those, you know, few mainstream journalists and figures who've shared this. Um, you know, it, 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 I think that this is just going to get bigger and bigger. And I, I, you know, I do think that you know, Paul Mason's toast. You can find me, hopefully, um, if it doesn't say my account doesn't exist, um, at you know, Kit Clarenberg. Uh, and then, you know, I also have a Substack, which is, you know, I'm kind of in in the process of producing some exclusive content for it and i think you know for the time being i'm i'm I, uh, it will be you know completely free to read uh so yeah um you know people are more than welcome to um yeah follow me on either the more the merrier well thank you very much i think that this is a very important story and uh it's great that you've caught these people uh in the act and uh it's good to see that his career is not going so well he he deserves to probably have a change in careers so uh, thanks for helping to, to bring that about. And thanks for joining me today. No, my pleasure, Aaron. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. Obviously, this Paul Mason business is all of a piece. Uh, I personally cannot recall a time when Western propaganda was so over the top uh, and unhinged, just top to bottom. There's a new article out at The Guardian. Uh, entitled Network of Syria Conspiracy Theorists Identified. And it's really something that you you got to see to believe. I'll try to put a link to it in the show notes. But uh, it deals with uh, some of these same people like Aaron Mate at the Gray Zone. We're talking about Paul Mason's attempts to go after the Gray Zone. So it's relevant to this uh, discussion. But it, this article is basically The Guardian, which functions as a pretty full-on propaganda outlet for NATO at this point. Okay, they cite a study by a, what is, you'd have to consider a NATO-backed propaganda mill called the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, so perfect think tank name, uh, and they have this study that is essentially uh, slandering journalists who exposed the white helmets uh, and criticized what they were doing in Syria. Okay, and the White Helmets are pretty much themselves like a NATO psychological warfare unit. I mean, that's they were organized by a Western intelligence, and uh, they get their money from uh, Western, you know, NATO connected sources. This is just pretty obviously a uh, psychological operation, propaganda assets, sort or of theater. And they even get into the article. Uh, the article even gets into kind of gives away the function of the White Helmets. So I'll read you a, a short section from it. A network of more than two dozen conspiracy theorists, frequently backed by a coordinated Russian campaign, sent thousands of disinformation tweets to, destroy, to distort the reality of the Syrian conflict and deter intervention by the international community, new analysis reveals. Well, right there, you see what the White Helmets were actually really trying to do because it says... They were distorting the reality of the Syrian conflict and deterring intervention by the international community, meaning presumably that the White Helmets activities were to not deter intervention or to promote intervention. This is essentially what people like I would be saying, that this, the White Helmets are on the ground filming uh, 
scenes of the dirty war in Syria in order to uh, be shown to Western audiences to get people on board with the idea of intervening overtly even more than they already have specifically to overthrow the government of Syria. So this is more or less what we would have said they were doing. I mean, this is pretty clear here. They're, they're acknowledging it in a way and uh, they don't, they don't even really get the significance of it. So the, one of the things that they're always saying is conspiracy theories that, that pops up again and again in this article. So this article at the guardian uh, posits that there is this conspiracy of disinformation purveyors coordinated with Rush, but with Russian, you know, sources uh, to defame the white helmets and deter intervention. So they're themselves positing a conspiracy theory. And yet the people that they are targeting as, um, you know, conspirators, they're, they're calling them conspiracy theorists. It, it's, it's really, it's really amazing. Uh, this is, you know, to even call stuff Orwellian anymore is uh, almost cliche or overkill at this point. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's wild. So that's it for today. Uh, I'll put a link to that article in the show notes, too, so you can check it out if you want to punish yourself. It's le at least not very long, but it's really a, a study in the way that they, uh, the propaganda operates. And when you see um, it, it seems to be exactly the kind of material that Paul Mason is interested in churning out. Uh, that Kit Clarenberg has exposed, uh, along with Max Blumenthal, using Paul Mason's own emails. So that's it for today. Please check out the show notes to see where you can find links to Kit Clarenberg's work. I want to thank Dana Chavaria for heroically engineering this episode. Thanks Casey Moore for the outstanding artwork, and to Mock Orange for providing our music. Chase the light, everybody.